0: All right, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good, good, good. Joyful, amazing. Hey, we're in uh, week three of the Winter Circle, uh, a series we started here not too long ago, obviously. I just said it was the third week. Um, but yeah, we're um, just uh, pinpointing uh, certain things, our uh, topics, biblical principles uh, that it takes to win in every area of life. I believe that these principles apply across the board. Um, and so our anchor uh, uh, scripture is Philippians 3, 10 through 16. But uh, before we get into that, um, I want to bring a message to you today entitled "Ford Focus. Ford Focus is today's message title. And um, hey, I remember uh, when I was an undergrad, uh, it was my statistics class. Wow, that was amazing. Because the, the, the verse I'm reading today, I just opened it up and it popped open. And Anyway, I'm sorry. I should have just kept that to myself. You guys need to wake up. Um, got me feeling real insecure up here. Um, but um, no, I'm playing. You know, you, know, you know, I'm playing, mama. You know, I'm playing. Um, no, I remember undergrad statistics. Um, it was the last week. Uh, of this class. I've, I've told this story before and, um, I was packing my bag and it was at the end of, of, of the, of the class. And, uh, my professor, he was, uh, saying some very important stuff. And so, you know, it's finals the next week. You just want to get out of class. You want to leave the semesters over. I'll be back next week for finals, whatever. I don't care what you're talking about. I got places to go, people to see and all that good stuff. And so, um, I studied my butt off for the final. And uh, I came back the next week to take the final. And before uh, class, before we were gonna get, get into class, I noticed that uh, all of my classmates, they had their their uh, finals reviews. And they were looking over it. Uh, they weren't studying, they were just going over their reviews. Um, and, and, and so I said, okay, that's weird. I'm over here busting my tails, studying doing some last minute problems, making sure I understand this concept and all this stuff. And so we go into the room to take our final and um, you know, I put my final under, you know, I put my study stuff under my seat and uh, I notice that the entire class is, uh, they have their review and they have their final packet and they're taking their final, but they have their review. And I notice that I see people transposing what's on the review on to the final. And I noticed that uh, people are finishing in 10 minutes flat. But I'm still taking my test, and it's been 40 minutes, and I'm the only person in the classroom. And my professor hasn't said a thing. And so come to find out, uh, I get my grade by email. You know, you get on Blackboard and all that stuff. But I get my grade, and and my professor, he emails me. He says, look, um, you ended up with a C in the class. You could have gotten an A. Uh, I know you had a low B but um, I don't know if you caught what I was saying there at the end of class last week. Um, I was, he said in his email that I was telling uh, the entire class um, that you can bring your review packet um, and you need to bring that review packet um, because it's pretty much going to be your final. I didn't hear any of that, nor did any of my friends or classmates. They're really not friends. They are just classmates. Uh, <laughs> nor did any of them have the, the uh, wherewithal or the grace or the love to tell me that, hey, Josh, you don't have to study for your final. Just bring your review packet. Now, the catch is this, is that uh, the review packet, number one, you're going to get 100%. But just bringing the review packet back is going to give you an extra 20%. So everyone except for me got 120. I ended up staying there for 45 minutes taking my final. I got a 90. So I did well on my own. But the professor took away 20 points. He took away 20, because I didn't have my finals packet, my review packet. And I ended up with a 70. So that took my low B to a very high C. When the 120, the final had a lot of weight on it, I could have gotten an A minus. And so it was just drastic. Um, Needless to say, I wasn't distracted. Um, I don't think it was distraction. It's just that I was focused on something else. I was focused on something I shouldn't have been focused on. I should have had my attention on the professor. And because my focus was somewhere else, I reaped the consequence of not focusing on the right thing. Um, And so that sucks. Um, They say Americans, we spend an average of five hours a day on our mobile devices. And um, I just wonder, man, if we would reduce that time till, you know, say an hour a day, um, the things that we could focus on, the things that we could give attention to, um, how much more fruitful our lives would be. With that being said, Paul says this in Ephesians 3.13. Not not Ephesians, I'm sorry. This is supposed to be um, Philippians. I totally messed this up. That's totally my bad. Philippians 3.13, they're going to bring it up. He says this, No, dear brothers and sisters... I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. It should come up there any minute now. Here it is. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul had a focus. He had a focus. And his goal, week one, if you go back to the podcast, was to experience the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in his everyday life. He didn't want to wait to die. And, and he didn't want to wait till Jesus came back for us to rise from the grave, because we will. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, death is not the end for you. Death is actually the beginning of eternity for you. So you have a hope that this world doesn't have. Thank God. But Paul says, I don't want to wait to pass away and then be resurrected when Jesus comes back. I actually want to experience this resurrection power in my life right now. And we identified in week one that in order to experience uh, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we have to have eternal goals. Eternal goals. And we said, so do you have temporal goals or eternal goals? Do you have external goals or internal goals? Do you have good goals or God goals? Paul was a man who had eternal goals. Everything he did, he did it in light of the fact that he was going to leave behind a legacy and whatever he left behind was going to last forever. He's the reason we in here, most of us being non-Jews, are in this room today. He gave his life to preach the gospel to those that were not Jewish. And so it's 2,000 plus years later, we're still talking about Jesus. I think his eternal goal was reached, and uh, we're still living on through his sacrifice. But he says this, he says, I focus on this one thing. Winners need focus. Winners need something that they must give their attention and activity to, or they need some things. Your focus can be a healthy marriage. But under that, there is healthy communication. Your focus can be financial margin. But beneath that, the focus truly needs to be discipline in your budget. Your focus can be healthy relationships, where the Bible says that those that have friends are friendly. So the reason why you have new friends every three to six months, chances are you're not too friendly. The focus needs to be friendliness and love. Winners have a focus. And um, so, hey, last week we talked about Caleb. Uh, How many enjoyed last week's sermon? Was that good? Last week's message? Amazing. Caleb was a boss. He came to Joshua and he said, Look, man, give me my mountain. If you don't know anything I'm talking about, go to Joshua 14 today and just read it. Caleb's like, I'm 85. I'm just as strong today as I was when I was 40. Give me my mountain. He had a not enough attitude, and he was willing to face his giants. But today we're going to talk about Joshua, his best friend. So Joshua, just like Caleb, he was born into slavery. He was born in in Egypt. Egypt means sin. He was born into sin. God raises up a deliverer whose name is Moses. And for 400 years, the children of Israel have been enslaved to the Egyptians. Moses goes to Egypt. Um, He Brings the children of Israel out of slavery, and now they're in a wilderness. Now, from the edge of Egypt to the edge of Kardash Barnea, which is the promised land, God said, I'm going to take you from slavery, I'm going to put you into this land where no good thing lacks. And the promised land is a foreshadow of Jesus. No good thing lacks in Jesus. No good thing lacks in Jesus. So He said, I'm going to take you from there. It was an, it was an 11 day journey. Um, And so Moses, while in the wilderness, he sends in spies, 12 spies from the 12 tribes of Israel, and they go into Canaan, this promised land, and they come back with fruit. They come back with all this amazing stuff, and they show it to over a million people and Moses, and so 10 of the spies say, hey, if we go and try to take the promised land, we are going to get uh, pummeled. We're, we're We're going to die. We're going to be destroyed. And so Caleb and Joshua, they silence the crowd and they say, hey, look, trust God. Just just believe in him. Have faith that where we're going is far greater than where we've ever been. And so the entire community gets upset with Caleb and Joshua. The Lord has to hide Caleb and Joshua and Moses from the entire community because they're going to stone them. No, you can't make us follow God. You can't make us trust God. We'd rather be back in Egypt. We'd rather be back in bondage and in slavery than go on to freedom and everything that God has for us. We'd rather die here in the wilderness. If we go over there, they got giants, and we can't face those giants. And so God got angry. The Bible says God got angry. This is actually the most saddest story in Scripture you'll ever read because an entire generation dies due to lack of faith. And so God gets angry, and and he tells Moses pretty much that I'm going to save you, but I'm going to start over. I'm done. I'm done. I've taken them from Egypt. I've taken them from sin. And they don't want to continue to go on into the fullness of everything I have for them. I'm done. And so he says, only Joshua and Caleb will inherit the promise. This tells us something about people of faith. There's about two out of every 12 people that believe in Christ that's going to receive everything that Jesus has for them. The other 10 are are happy with Fire insurance, yes, I'm not going to hell, but there are two out of 12. There are two out of 12 that are going to fight for everything that God has for their lives. Two out of 12. Are you two out of 12? Are you good with just missing hell? So... um Got me. I'm getting preachy. I'm missing my points now. Come on now. I got to keep going. So he, he, he says this here. So, so Moses actually dies. Unfortunately, Moses does not go into the promised land because he had an anger issue. He didn't trust God. He had an anger issue. The people were driving him nuts. Pastoring is not easy. <laughs> so he didn't make it in. I was reading the story the other day in Deuteronomy and God told him you can stand on the mountain and look at it, but you can't go over. And uh, the Bible says he died there and God, no one could find his body because had they found Moses' body, they would have worshipped him, especially the baby generation, because it took 40 years. So an 11-day journey took 40 years. Don't take 40 years. An 11-day journey took 40 years due to a lack of faith in Jesus, and they all died, and the babies are raised up now. And Moses dies and he can't enter in. Joshua was an assistant to Moses. This is how you come up in leadership. You get under leadership for a season. God will raise you up. He'll give you an amazing platform. Moses dies. Joshua assumes leadership. And this is where we pick it up. We're going to focus on four principles about focus. (laughs) Four principles from God's word. Go with me to Joshua 1. We're going to go ahead and read verses one through two. It says this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses's assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. You know, I got a lot of amazing memories um, I don't know if any of you had amazing Christmas holidays growing up. Um, I know for me, I did. Um, Man, presents from the middle of the living room all the way to the kitchen table. I could have swore one time when I was um, eight years old, uh, it was about maybe 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, because you could never go to sleep on Christmas. I could have swore, man, I woke up and I looked out my window and, and I saw Santa, it's all good. We're a Christian church. Oh, you're Christian. You don't believe in Santa. Look, Santa's cool. Anyway, we'll talk about that when we catch coffee. Anyway, so I could have swore I saw Santa and the reindeer come on out. Like 15 feet midair, my uncle and my dad putting up my basketball goal in the front yard. I could have swore I saw it. Christmas was so amazing. I mean, presents filled from the tree, your bike, and your Sega Genesis. Y'all too young to know about that. PlayStation 1 when it was gray, and it had two buttons on the front, and it had cords. Y'all know nothing about that. And uh, amazing Christmases when I grew up. I remember when we got married, um, I was standing, I don't know what, altar, whatever you want to call it, with the pastor. And we had our wedding outside, and Kyra was coming around the back uh, with Mama and Jazeel, our oldest son, and they stopped. And upon her stopping, the wind just, 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 and I feel like God just showed up in that moment. I'm like, it's going to be a great honeymoon. We're going to, it's going to be amazing. God's hand is on this marriage. Just great times, man. Just great times. We all have had great times. Uh, Then we all have had not so good times. I told you a few weeks about uh, when we got evicted. I was 11 years old and we were paying rent at this house. Our landlord wasn't uh, paying the mortgage and we had less than 36 hours. And there was a point in my life where we lived in a hotel, out of a hotel for a week and a half or so. Um, Or that time when my grandma passed away. Um, I was there and she was holding on for dear life in the ICU. And um, we prayed. And everyone left the room. And I just, I I went to her ear and I said, Grandma, it's okay. You can rest now. And uh, people can call it what they want to call it. But uh, right after I said that, a bloody tear came down her eyes. And uh, in less than 20 minutes, she passed on to be with the Lord forever. That That was a beautiful moment, but it was a rough moment. The thing about all these good and bad moments, and you guys think I'm getting lost, is that they have one common denominator they're in the past they're in the past they're they're long gone they're in the past we can't remanufacture it we can't relive it we 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 can't go back to the amazing christmases i'm 30 years old now I'm not 8 <laughs> we we can't go back to it i can't go back to the icu and lay my i tried to i prayed a million times in jesus name grandma be healed get up he didn't do it because she was healed on the other side of eternity they all have one common denominator. They're in the past. And so God tells Joshua, Look, if you read Deuteronomy 34, you guys have been mourning over Moses for 30 days. It's time to go on and to get everything that God has for you. There are some things in your life that you've been mourning over, metaphorically speaking, for 30 days. You've been holding on to some hurts and some pains. In some good times, oh, it's not like it used to be. Well, that's good. That's good it's not like it used to be because God has a new thing that he's doing in your life. It doesn't need to be like it used to be. Now today I get to experience orchestrating Christmas for my own kids and people that don't have much. Today I got to focus on having a healthy marriage, not living in the day of our wedding not living in our honeymoon. You know, every week I talk about Charleston, South Carolina, our honeymoon, but I can't remanufacture that because God has new experiences, new things in store for you. And it says it here in Isaiah um, 43, 18 through 9, the message. He says here, forget about what's happened. This is the word of God through the prophet. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert, be present. I'm about to do something brand new. I'm about to do something brand new. He's taking you places. He's, he's growing you in your character. He's, he's expanding your territory. He, he's expanding your influence. He's, he's taking you to new places, new relationships, new opportunities, new breakthroughs, new, new stuff. He, he's doing a new thing because he wants you to win. And one thing you can't focus on is the past. I'm sorry, I pulled my first point up. I forgot to tell, you, tell it to you. The first point is the past has passed. And, and I can't live in this, man, I miss my old supervisor when God has called me to a new supervisor. Man, I miss my old city when God has me in a new city. Because if you live in the past, it's going to rob you of the power and the possibility of the present, and the future. You got to let it go. So that's one thing you can't focus on the past. Joshua 1, 3 through 5, it says it here. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. We did a prayer walk not too long ago, and we claimed the city of Gaithersburg. Thousands of people will be saved through Highlight Church. We claimed it, and, and we prayed over our leadership. We prayed over broken homes, divorces, sickness, addictions. We prayed over it all. We, we, we prayed and we claimed it because we believe by faith that wherever we stepped our foot, God is going to give us. And so um, Joshua 1, 3, blah, 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 verse 4 says this. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. There's territory in your life that the enemy has his hands on. It's not his, it's yours. You got to get your focus. You got to focus so you can get this now. And so he goes on and he says this, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as, was, as I was with Moses. You need to go back and read Exodus through Deuteronomy. God did some amazing things through Moses. I will not fail you or... Abandon you. Point number two is this you got to focus on the fact that there are greater things ahead, there are greater days ahead. We, we, <laughs> let me control myself. You're too young to get caught up in the nonsense. There are greater days. Uh, you need to declare that over your life right now. There are greater days ahead. You know, at one time, Highlight Church was just a possibility. Uh, God gave me the vision in 2012. And, um, it, you know, fast forward to middle of 2015. Uh, I had originally asked uh, eight people to commit to moving from Florida and anywhere else across the nation to, to start this church with us. And um, seven out of, sorry, no, six out of the eight said no. So it was Kyra, me. And uh, Chris, our creative director. And uh, so we prayed, and we prayed a lot. And within that time, God sent us Chow Tran and Chrysia Tran. Give it up for our connections director, Chow Tran, and Chrysia Tran, our kids director. Go ahead and stand up, you two. Come on, do better. (laughs) Amazing. You can sit down now. And... um, out, came on board uh, a little bit before summer of 2015. Um, man, their first offering into this church was $3,000. It took me and Chris's and Kyra's little 500 we had in the bank account because we were trying to, we had been doing it for a few weeks, $3,000. And we pray that they wouldn't just send their money, but that they would commit. And they did. And we're, we're blessed because of them. And so um, we prayed from the summer of 2015 all the way through our January fast 2016. We're going to be doing another January fast here at the top of next year. 21 days. It's going to be amazing. Um, the theme this year is going to be great. Uh, this next year is going to be great. And so we prayed, and uh, our prayers were answered by the end of January. I want to share something with you um, during that time of possibility, during that, during that tough time of possibility. Um, Answer prayers by February 2016. I'm sorry. Rachel healed from cancer. This is... Uh, we apologize, uh, Becca, but this is Becca's... One of Becca's friends who was across the country at the time. And uh, Becca had gotten into contact with us through an Instagram post. She was way in North Dakota. She's our leadership development coordinator. Yeah, let's give it up for Becca. And um, she had... Flown all the way down to Florida to give us a visit. A bunch of strangers just saying yes to the vision of God. And she put it on our hearts to pray for her, her, uh, her friend. And uh, we prayed hard for 21 days that God would heal her, and he did. And I, I texted her the other day, as I said, is Rachel still healed from cancer? You know, that sucker goes back into remission and stuff. She said, yes, she is. God did that. Um, I was praying for a new computer. And in January, I got an anonymous MacBook Air after an overnight shift. Um, Rebecca Minatra commits to Highlight Church um, in January. Sam and Lance Yuri, big man Lance over here with the flannel. They committed. Um, And we had a trip that we were going to take. Uh, North Carolina stop at Inside Elevation Church in North Carolina. Uh, three spots. We needed three more spots because Becca and Sam and Lance hadn't committed yet. We prayed for those spots to open. They opened up, so they were able to attend that, that conference with us. It was, a, it was a pivotal trip. We were all strangers moving to a place we hadn't been before to start a church. We were stopping in North Carolina to learn about what church planning looks like, and then we were going to have dinner after the dessert because the conference was great. But when we got to Maryland, it got real. and We started praying. And as a result, all of them have moved. And, you know, I typically come out and worship on the second song. And uh, it's an amazing thing because I come around here and I see hands lifted. I see tears rolling. Uh, I hear about the addictions broken. I hear about the marriages mended. Um, I hear about the new relationships that are being formed throughout the week in your small groups. And to be honest, man, it's just a full circle moment. Because what was once a possibility is now a reality. What was once a possibility is now a reality. And so I want to ask you a question. When you see your life, when you see your marriage, when you see whatever it is, your health, your finances, whatever it is, what do you see? Do you see the same old, same old in the next three years? Or do you see greater possibilities? There are greater days ahead for your life. There are greater things ahead for your life. And Joshua had a vision. He had a God focus, something larger than what he was currently in. He saw something and God gave him the dimensions of this thing. He had gotten the description beforehand, but now he was giving him the dimensions. He got the description when he was in Canaan spying out the promised land. But Joshua didn't know how big it was until God just told him that before you assume leadership, this is how big it is. So I need you to focus because you got people coming behind you that are also going to inherit the very thing that I have for them. So, so God was showing Joshua something. And I, this is what, this is my encouragement to you today. I know the weeks are long. I know the days are long. I know work is tough. But God never called you to focus on the problem. He never called you to focus on the struggle. They went through a few battles in the wilderness, but that was to survive. The wilderness is all about character building and survival and becoming more like Christ. The promised land, there are going to be bigger battles, bigger giants, And so God is calling Joshua to not focus on his problem. Don't focus on your lack. The next person I hear comes to me talking, man, my supervisor or my coworker did this or this person did this. Look, you're sucking away the power that you could be utilizing to actually do your job, be blessed, and move on. You don't focus on people. You love people. You focus on the possibility. You need a possibility to point to when you're at work. This is not my stopping ground. I'm going somewhere. You need a possibility to focus on when you're working on that paper in school. This is not my stopping ground. I need to knock out this paper because it's a stepping stone. I'm going somewhere. You need a possibility to focus on your marriage. This is not our our last argument. This is a growth thing right here. This is a stepping stone. We're going somewhere. We got kids to raise. We got grandkids to raise. We have an inheritance to leave. You cannot focus on your problem. You have to focus on the fact that there are greater days ahead. There's a greater possibility ahead, a greater possibility. And so Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 10, this is the the description of what God was talking about. He gave the dimensions. Here it is. For the Lord, your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out in the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of olive oil and honey. This is a, a stark contrast from the desert. A stark contrast from the wilderness. God gave them manna from heaven in the wilderness. Manna was just enough for what they needed. Some of you feel like you're in a season of just enough. Don't focus on just enough. Focus on where he's taking you. And he says this, verse 9, It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, you come to find out that nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. So can you, can you be blessed in those areas? Of your life? Is there an abundance laid up and in store for you in Jesus? Is it possible? It is. Can you find freedom on the other side of that addiction? Yes, and not just freedom, you can find fulfillment. It's possible. They're going from slaves to blessing, they're going from slaves. To blessing and in your present, catch this focus on the possibility. Don't focus on the problem, don't focus on the people, don't focus on the professor, focus on the possibility. And so, Joshua 1 6 through 8 says this be strong and courageous. For you are the one, you got to catch these yous and one, watch God. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land, I swear, to their ancestors. <clears throat> I will give them, be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. And he says this here, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Most of our problems is that we only try God's word on Sundays and we drop it off on Monday, Tuesday through Saturday. We're back into the same thing. He said, don't deviate. If this is the word of the Lord, move in the word of the Lord. And he says this here. He says, "Um, study this book, verse eight, and instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Then and only then. Will you prosper and succeed in all that you do? You know, um, yesterday we were getting ready. I had Judah and Jay-Ziel, my boys. My wife was at work, and we were getting ready to go to Jay-Ziel's baseball game. He had a 9 a.m. game. And so I was very proud of myself because I woke up at 7. I'm usually struggling and, you know, struggling and struggling. And uh, I woke up, and it was 7. I said, all right, let me get ready. Uh, We got to leave here by 8 a.m. because my plan is to go to Chick-fil-A. Come on now. Get, get the chicken biscuits and the honey. My plan was to go to Chick-fil-A. And so, man, I, I was proud of myself, man. I got the boys ready, and I was ready. And we, we we're in the car, and it's 8.05. I'm five minutes behind. I put that sucker in reverse. Press the brakes. I don't have my wallet. Where's my wallet? Put it back and drive. I park. Jay, Judah, behave. I'll be right back. Go upstairs. You know, we live on the third floor. I'm all over the place in in our room. I'm in the bathroom. I'm in the cabinets. I'm under the bed. Nemo's stinking. He needs a bath and all this stuff. I go to the second floor. I go to their room, the laundry room, my office. I go to the main floor. I cannot find my wallet, and it's 12 minutes has passed. It's 8.17. The plan was to leave Chick-fil-A by 8.30. I was going to be a good dad, an even better husband, I was gonna be there at 8.45, 15 minutes before we even had to be there. And it's 820. I get in the car and I text Kyra. I say, call me. I don't ask her how she's doing. I don't say I love you. I don't send her any kissy faces. I say call me. And she calls me. She says, what's up? I said, um, do you have my wallet? Because maybe yesterday you picked it up and you put it in this bag and it's not here. Do you have my wallet? And, and she says, I don't know. I got to check. So we went to the hospital. She comes downstairs. At this point, it's like 835. I am ticked right now. Because number one, I'm getting hungry. Number two, Judah is getting on my last nerve. Number three, I'm late. I'm going to be late. And it's not in her bag, so I have to take her wallet. And I got to drive. I got to break the law. If you're a cop in here, I, don't, I still haven't found my wallet. Do not pull me over. God will not bless that, okay? I'm the pastor. You're the police. Anyway, God loves you, but um, train of thought, yes. So we stop at Starbucks, and I get bacon gouda sandwiches. You got to open that sucker so the bacon can get nice and crispy. You got to. If not, it's going to make you sick, and um, we get to the fill, and it's 915, and I am livid. I want to blame Kyra. I want to blame Judah. I want to blame Jay. I want to blame the coach for even having a stupid game and a stupid practice at 9 o'clock. The game isn't until 10. I want to blame everybody for it except me. But ultimately, it's my fault. Because on Thursday, when I came home, I had my wallet. On Friday, I had my wallet. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers of all time, he said this. And he quoted, beware... Of no man more than of yourself. We carry our worst enemies within us. And so when we read Joshua 1, 6 through 9, we're reading success and and prosperity and all this. But what I pick up on is this. God calls Joshua to the mat seven times. If you read those verses, he says you seven times. Seven times. Biblically, is the number of completion, which tells me that it's completely on me. A lot of y'all are missing this. It's completely on me to receive everything that God has for me. He has things in store for me. And so the third principle we need to focus on on a daily basis is personal growth. He has Great things in store, but it's all about personal growth, and God deals with Joshua's fear. He tells him here, he says this, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people. He deals with his doubt, his insecurity, his pains, his hurts. He has to deal with him first before he sends him to receive everything he has for him. And, and and a lot of times for me, I have to get in God's presence as well. And I, I have to come before God in, in, my, in my closet and, and pray, not my literal closet. Jesus calls it a prayer closet. And I got to pray, Lord, take away this bitterness. Take away this anger. I may not show it on the outside, but God, you see it on my eyes. You, you see it in my heart. Take away this lust. Lord, take away this pride. Pride is the very thing that cast Satan out of heaven. Take away this pride. When I need help, I need help. Like yesterday, I was hungry as heck after the baseball game. Some parents of our team picked up pizza. I walk by the pizza, I look at it, and I turn, and I walk, I walk away, and, and the father says, hey, man, we just bought some pizza. You can have it. And I'm like, oh, man, thanks, man. I never thought you would say, I picked up my pizza. Pride. I got to get before God, and, and I got to deal with my pride. We, we want all these amazing things, but God is like the goal ought to be personal growth in the spirit. The goal needs to be your walk with Jesus. The goal needs to be the word of God. And so he deals with it. He gives him an antidote. He says this, study this book of instruction continually. The word of God. Get on a daily regimen of it. The word of God is food for your soul. It's a healthy diet. Jesus says we don't live by bread alone. We live out of every word that proceeds out of his mouth. So he's talking to Joshua about a healthy diet. You can't have fear inform this process. If you're going to face your giants, you got to focus on my promises. You got to focus on my instruction because it's going to get hazy out there and you need some food for your soul. And then he focuses on, he says, meditate on it day and night. His prayer life and his thought life. And then he says, don't deviate. He says, obey. Application. So I don't just read it, I step out in it. That's right. And when I step out in it, then I shall be prosperous right. and successful in all that I do. I love it. We got to f- focus on personal growth. Man, I want to I make $10,000 next, next you know, month or whatever. Look, that's fine. But as soon as you get it, if, you're not, if you don't have any discipline built on the inside of you, you're going to lose it. There's a reason why 78% of lotto winners are dead broke a year later because they haven't internalized what's important. Focus on personal growth. Focus on personal growth. And Joshua 1.9 says this. It says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Winners focus on his presence. His presence. Winners, focus on his presence. There's not a person in this room who God doesn't love. Atheist, agnostic, Catholic, Christian, Buddhist, Muslim. It's not a person in this room that he doesn't love. There's not a person in this church, in this city, in this world, that Jesus did not come and die for on the cross. And he wants you to win. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be fulfilled with joy. He wants you to see his hand move in a tangible way in your life. But you're going to have to focus on his presence. Joshua was going from generational slavery, nothingness, nothing. Because we serve a God who specializes in taking anybody, everybody, nothing, to something. That's the God that we serve. No matter what you've done, where you've been, the mistakes you've made, the sins you've committed, how broke you are, how rich you are, how poor you are, how sick you are, we serve a God who takes nobodies and he makes them somebodies. And so he was going to take Joshua from generational slavery and Joshua, he was going to raise him up to national prominence and generational blessing. And he wants to do the same thing in your life and it takes focusing every day there's not a day i don't wake up where i where i profess the presence of god over my life lord you've gone before me today even though i don't feel it even though i'm drained i'm tired i know you've already made a way i know this person's going to be in position this provision's going to be there that need is going to be met i'm going to be protected my body's going to be healed i'm going to make the right connections before I even focus on my lack, I focus on his love, and I focus on his presence. You have to focus on his presence. So God finishes this stanza before Joshua makes a move, because you got to read Joshua 1.10. But he focuses by saying, and I, I need to remind you this, I am with you always. And no story better, better illustrates it than, than this <clears throat> A focus on God's presence. In 1809, he was born into extreme poverty. In 1816, at the age of seven, his family was evicted and he had to work to support them at the age of seven. At 18, in 1818, his mother died when he was nine years old. In 1831, he failed in business. In 1832, he ran for state legislature, and he lost. In 1832, he was denied entry into law school. In 1833, he borrowed money to start a business. By the end of the year, it went bankrupt, and he spent the next 17 years paying down that debt. In 1835, he was engaged to be married, but the love of his life died that same year. In 1836, he had a nervous breakdown that left him in the bed for six months. And at this point, you might as well say he's done. He's, he's a wrap. This guy is a mess. In 1843, he ran for Congress and he lost. In 1849, he ran for land officer in his home state and he lost. In 1854, he ran for Senate and he lost. In 1856, he sought the vice presidential nomination of his party, and he received less than 100 votes. He lost. And in 1858, he ran for Senate again, and he lost. In 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president of the United States of America. That's the presence of God. That's the presence of God. He lost so many times was the presence of God. And it led him to, to coin these words before leaving Springfield, Illinois for his first term as president. He said this, now I leave not knowing when or whether ever I may return. With a task before me greater than that which rested upon George Washington. Without the assistance of the divine being. Whoever attended him, I cannot succeed. With that assistance, I cannot fail. There was somewhere in his journey where he understood that I get knocked down, but I keep getting back up. I get knocked down, keep getting back up. And he finally latched on to it and he recognized that it was the presence of God that was working out the promise of God through his life. And so today, I need you to understand that it's Jesus Christ that brings us to the presence of God. It's Jesus. He was sinless and he died a sinner's death on a cross for you and I. And the Bible declares that there is one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Jesus Christ. He died for our sins so that we could come boldly into the presence of God without fear. And God wants his his presence to be tangible in your life. Hey, church, let's just pray with me. Let's repeat after me. Father God, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. For my sin. Thank you for my liberty. Thank you for your spirit and my heart. Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you're God. In Jesus' name. Amen.